Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I am here with the always magnanimous and wonderfully dressed in red as he is defending the Lancer football of 2021. Yes, it's my son's last football game today. So. Last football game, and, and that was the voice of Pastor Rudot. He is the level-headed, the anchor to my ever-drifting thoughts, and so uh, we welcome you to our show today. It's um, good I, to be here and to be with you, Will. Oh, I, I do good appreciate you your here. thoughts, no matter where they go. Yeah, it's fun well, to talk about. I have thoughts, so yay. <laughs> uh, but today I was told it's my show. It is your show. It is my show. So after having shows that were were Pastor Rudot shows. No, they weren't my shows. And and they I was dragged shows. along. I was <laughs> dragged, dragged along. along. <laughs> dragged along as you looked at the best of the pastoral epistles, <laughs> the book of Titus. That is true. That is true. Well, now now we are starting, uh, and I guess it is my show. I guess I brought it up in episode 136. Uh, we are now returning to uh, fulfilling our promise of having a show on abortion and what is going on today in what is uh, this field and landmine of the, uh, of the uh, the abortion conversation. So probably more so than in, in most of our podcasts, um, this disclaimer is going to, I think, probably mean something, and, and that is um, what we are sharing are our thoughts. They do not, and I will repeat, they do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of our calling bodies, that is the churches we are called to serve, or the synod upon which we are a part. These are the thoughts of two pastors having a conversation, and yes, they are going to be our personal thoughts. So if you don't like what we have to say, you live in a free society as of now. Turn us off. You don't have to listen. Turn on something else. Come back and listen at a different time to a different podcast. It's okay. You're not going to offend me if you don't agree. And I hope I don't offend you um, sharing my viewpoint. But if I do offend you, take this as, as the preemptive forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. It won't change my opinion. But um, we can still be friends, and we can move on in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and know that he covers the multitude of our sins with the blood um, that he has shed for us upon the cross. And that is really the focal point of all of our shows, and doubly so today. I, that's especially true because when we talk about the uh, the topic of abortion, um, it can come across, because we don't know who our audience is, we hope— um, uh, we want to be able to have a conversation with you, but uh, we recognize that there are people in our audience who may have had an abortion already, and it may come across as if we are um, somehow um, in our standing up for life, that we are somehow standing against you because of something that you have done and the guilt that you feel. We want it to be, as as Will mentioned, we are in the, the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ for those who have confessed their sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and Will and I also are are people who do forgive people who sin, um, and uh, so just, just don't misunderstand what we're trying to say that we're not uh, uh, against those who have committed abortions in the past, and we are more than happy to uh, have com- com- 
conversations with you, you can contact us. You can talk to us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, uh, Casting Nets. You can also email us, castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can talk to us in person. Most of the feedback we get is people in person, and we welcome that. Uh, talk to us. You can find us in our offices. You can find us in our churches on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, I invite you to come to my house. It, it opens at 9 o'clock, um, and, and it's in Maribel. And it, and it's the big church in Maribel, and and you can come and and visit me there. And actually, I'd, I want to just reiterate, especially if you have uh, something going on about this topic concerning abortion, and it and it is really in the forefront of your mind. Um, I would prefer that you either call or that you talk with us in person, just for the simple fact that that when when you are trying to write something and back and forth to somebody, a lot of the communication is is. Um, misconstrued or easily misconstrued and so having those conversations so that you can they can hear the tone and the tenor of your voice um when you're having those conversations really goes a long way so before we 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 jump on into our topic let's have our our little intro music so we can decompress from that that opener and uh start our conversation on this uh abortion topic All right, so <clears throat> let's just start it out, and and I want to throw out here uh, probably what has been the catch-all phrase since Roe versus Wade um, for for this whole topic of of abortion, and and something that we should probably begin our conversation with, and that is, it is my body, my choice, um, and and so I guess I'm going to throw this question out to you, Dave, and and you can respond to it how you would. Is saying it's my body, my choice, technically a wrong statement when dealing in the secular idea of of physicality? I would say yes, because our government um, makes decisions as to what we should do with our body all the time. We have something called the Food and Drug Administration, which tells us you can't take this drug or you can't take this uh, substance. This is harmful to your body. And so we abide by whatever the, the Food and Drug Administration, or we say we make decisions and say we think this uh, drug is good for us and we should maybe pass laws to say alcohol, for example, would be something. So you have both men and women voting on what men and women can put into their bodies all the time. So to say my body, my choice is a misnomer. It's kind of a, a cop-out in my opinion because our government does tell us what to do with our bodies and what we can put into our bodies, whether we can harm our bodies with this substance or not. Our government tells us where to put our bodies. Our, our government says you can drive on this side of the road and not on that side. Our, our government can say you can only drive this fast on the highway. And you say, well, it's my body, my choice. If I want to go 90 miles on the hour, shouldn't I have that choice to do so? So we're picking and choosing how to use that phrase when we're, in reality our government does tell us what to do with our bodies a lot more than we think or a lot more than we realize. 
Well, and you know, I I would piggyback off that and, and make the connection then from the secular um, into the religious in the sense that that I think one of this the, the the big opening arguments of saying my body my choice is this assumption that you have free will over your body and that that and, and I oh I opened up the door to free will yes I do because I think I, I think it's a misnomer you don't have free will um, I know in our confessions uh, we would say that you have free will in a limited way to earthly things, which it would call the lower things, that is what they said in the confessions, and especially when it comes to the upper things, so the things dealing with eternity and eternal life, there is absolutely no free will. I would even contend, though, that that, that itself was a almost a misgeneralization in the sense that even in lower things, you don't have a free will. So if I walk into a subway and I want steak and potatoes, but they don't offer on their menu steak and potatoes, it doesn't matter how my will desires steak and potatoes, it is not there. Now, some might say, well, you can go somewhere else and get steak and potatoes. But what if I can't? Then I don't have the freedom. I'm bound to have what is offered to me, right? I'm bound to have what is offered to me. And I think this is this this idea, um, just misnomer of it's my body, it's my choice, overemphasizes this rebellious nature within all of us that says I should be able to dictate how things interact with me and how I'm going to interact with them. And the reality, I think you painted such a perfect way of saying it, is that there's nowhere in all of society where that truly exists. Nowhere. I mean, uh, you, you, you walk into the hospital and you say, I, you know, um, I don't feel well, make me feel better. My body, my choice, make me feel better. And the doctors will look at you and say, uh, probably can't do that. We can help, we can try, but it might not work, but it's my body. It's my choice. You should be able to do that for me, right? You should be able to make that a, make that a thing. Um, and I think this becomes this misnomer in the in just on its face um, that approaching this idea of abortion and approaching this idea of of uh, ladies have control over their bodies um, and that they can do whatever they want is kind of a false premise to start off with. Now, this is going to be a very controversial thing I'm going to say, but I don't I really don't care. Um, <clears throat> and that is. If you truly believe it is your body, your choice, if that is a thing, and, and you can respond to this if you'd like, if that is a thing, you lost that right when you, in your body, chose to sleep around and get pregnant. You lost that choice after that because now it's two bodies. That's that that that's really my premise is now now when you become pregnant, it is not just your body. It is now that body growing within you and they have rights, too. Um, yeah. and, and we'll go back to the scripture and we're going to talk about those rights here just in a second. But but am I wrong in, in making that assumption? If you're going to follow this, my body, my choice, you're, you're that stops when you in, in your choice do something that is now going to get you pregnant. Yeah, forget what the Bible says about, you know, um, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So the idea of you have an identity even in your mother's womb, even in conception, or um, you knit me in my mother's womb, uh, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 16. So scripture is very clear that what's inside of you is not belonging to your mother, but becomes 
yours. You can look at science, and science says when the sperm unites with the egg, the DNA has now changed. It's a different DNA. If you take DNA from your body, from any part of your body, it will be from you. That's your DNA. But now when someone is conceived inside of you, that DNA is completely different than yours. So scientifically, it's not your body. Um, and also biblically, it's not your body. Well, and, and let's just take this to the, let's just, let's just follow this line of thought to the nth degree. So um, some people may be listening or, or there may be some um, or who have heard the, the explanation. Well, if you're raped, um, you know, you, you didn't have that choice. Someone forced this on you and you shouldn't have to. Okay, first of all, I'm just going to say it's not that if you get pregnant because of rape, that is a horrible thing. Rape is not good. That That is not I have my own opinions on someone who would ever do that, what should happen to them, and it is not pleasant, and it would be drawn out. And yes, is it vindictive? It certainly is. Um, and I think God will, for, I know God will forgive me for it. Um, but that being said, that being said, the child that may have come from that, they're not a part of that. That's not their fault. That, that, that new creation that is there is not, it's not their fault because the father did something horrendous or foolish or 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 something of that nature. Now also, and this is sci- this is statistical, the people who enter abortion clinics and go for abortion who have been raped are like 1%. Yeah, one half of 1%. One half of 1%. And so even lower. So, so this let's is not, not make an argument yeah, for the whole thing based on one half of 1%. Yeah, this is this is like making an argument for for something even less than the minority. This is this is this is not even a blip on the radar that that people who have been raped are now getting abortions or people who are having life like where their their life is in jeopardy if they go through with a pregnancy. I mean, you're you're dealing with numbers that that are are infinitesimal in the grand scheme of the abortions that are going on. Yeah. When, go ahead. Oh, what I was just going to say is is if 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 they're going to make the claim that it's because of rape or that 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 mothers are are going to die because of this pregnancy and and these are all of the abortions that are going on first of all i would say something's wrong with our society more so than i am aware of if if pe- women are getting raped all the time to to match the amount of abortions that are going on and or number 2 if they are if if we're having such complications in merit or in our in our childbirth where where many women are dying um, because they're pregnant and now they need abortions because it's either their life or the child's life, we have another issue that is, is is worse than even the pandemic that we're dealing with in the society today. If those are the excuses that are truly driving the the idea of an abortion, I don't think that is. I, I, I don't think that, I, I think they try to say that because they try to give the extreme to make themselves look good. But you, like you said, it's a half of a, of a percent. That That's not a thing. That that's not a thing. Yeah, it is truly a tragic thing when it does happen, but it it's not come happening as often as those who are. It's not a. De- I should say it's not a. It's not a. When I said it's not a thing, I don't mean it's a defense. Right. That's not a defense for the practice. Sure. Yeah, because it is a tragic thing, and we as a church should be, um, as individuals in that church and as a church body, as also being supportive of of women who are faced in those terrible situations and protective of them and 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 be a safe haven for uh, an individual that has encountered such a terrible thing. Um, yeah. So, right. The the, the uh, abortion debate has lots of emotional arguments 
And it is such an emotionally charged issue that it's good for us to have this conversation so that all of us can, whether on whether no matter which side you're on in the abortion debate, that we can actually think through the things that we're saying um, and try to remove ourselves as much as we can from the emotionally charged elements of those of our positions. Well, and and this is gonna and this is emotionally charged, but I I, I think what you have here is is you have a society that that has been geared to such lasciviousness um, and, and it's been, it's been, been so charged and, and honestly even sexually charged where, where we think we can just do anything we want. But I also think that we live in a society where, where women have been placed into a position where um, men take zero accountability. And the, the attempt, I think, to try to to get men to be accountable and to get men to step up and be the fathers and the husbands, mostly the husbands and the providers that women truly desire. And I believe they truly do desire that, whether they want to admit it to themselves or not. Um, that's another point of a conversation that we could have at a different time. But but to get them to do that, I believe women use their body and reproductive abilities to make that a thing. It's not the first time that I've heard, well, we got pregnant to to try to get the guy, or we had sex to try to keep the guy, right? It's not the first time I've talked with women who have said, I've done that for the sole purpose that I think he would stay around, and then he leaves. Well, does that not play into this desire? Well, I I, I, I went and did this, you know, because he said he would only sleep with me if it was unprotected and all of this kind of stuff. And that was going to hold him here. And now I got pregnant and he doesn't want to be here. And now what am I going to do with this child? I can't support this child. The, the idea is not the, in my personal opinion, the idea is not, okay, abort the child. The idea that I should, I would propone is let's nail the guy, make him accountable. Hey, you know what? If you don't want to be in the relationship with the girl that you slept with, well, shame on you, but you are now responsible you are now responsible for for taking on uh, that life. You are now responsible for for providing for that life. And and yes, it's going to and legally going to change the way you are going to live from this moment moment on for the next eighteen years uh, of your life. And you know what? If you don't like it, too bad. That that was your body, your choice. And now, just like. This, He's using that sarcastic. I am very sarcastic. Um, but just as that woman now has a life-changing thing that has happened to her, and, and, and instead of making them go through these horrible procedures that have emotional and physical scarring that they will never get over, instead of doing that, now, now you both take on this, this challenge. And the church is there ready to support you. In, in, in that I think if, if we as a church if, if if we have an environment where a, a couple comes in who are I have a child out of wedlock or are pregnant out of wedlock and the church isn't ready to say how can we help you um, protect the life that you've created not to say that it's okay that you created a life out, out of the sequence that God has ordained but how can we help you um, live with the responsibility that you created for yourself that you may not be even be aware of or the responsibility that you weren't ready for, but now because of a mistake, now this responsibility is in front of you. How can we help you um, make good choices from here on out? Well, and, and I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head here is, you know, as a church, we, we confront sin. 
and we offer forgiveness. That is that is really our whole ballywick, right? Um, here, let me show you Jesus. Let me bring you to the cross. Let me show you the empty tomb. Let me let me show you how He has changed your life and now encourages you and and equips you to to be better, um, even though you, because of a sinful nature, still will fail. So so you're dealing with these multifaceted arenas. And, and here's, here's where I would say what, I, and here's maybe what I'm thinking you're saying, and it's, it's a very beautiful statement. Two wrongs don't make a right, right? You made a mistake, okay, but that didn't mean what, what came from it is a mistake. Then doesn't mean what, how you pursue f- or, or proceed from it has to be filled with mistakes. You made a mistake, okay, you're forgiven, but now let's let's in in that forgiveness, let us move forward in the atmosphere in which God now has placed us and and let's walk in these good things that God now has given to us. Now, if that means we have to we have to help that young lady um, walk with her, have have a partner that that uh, a friend from the church that walks with her to her appointments um, and, and stands with her when she's going through these things so that with the sole purpose that when that child is born, if she's not ready, we can, we can put that child up for adoption and, and it can get to a house and a home that is going to be beautiful. Or if you are saying, yes, I want this, let's, let's do the best that we can so that we can outfit them uh, with this, this, uh, um, safety net and this accountability and this uh, uh, um, atmosphere of support that's going to say, you know what, we understand you're part of the body of Christ and you're struggling right now for what will be good. Let's let's en- encompass this and help so that we don't make bad choices upon bad choices upon bad choices. Because that's what the sinful nature does. I, I, I am a firm believer of the sinful nature, and it might start off small. It's just this little thing, right? It's just sex. But then it, it, it compounds itself. And it, and, it, and it continues to compound itself until eventually you turn around and you look back at it and you're like, how did I even get here? How, how, did, I, how did I end up here when it, it seemed so innocuous in the beginning, right? It was just fun in the beginning and now it's this whole thing. But we live in a society where they're like, well, don't worry. We can just, we can just do something horrible and it will take all of the other horrible things away. Do you know that the number one reason Planned Parenthood uh, had they did a survey? The number one reason why ladies get abortions, I don't know. Convenience. Can how is that convenient? Right. So it's not convenient to have the child, or it's not economically viable to have the child. Sure. So that's the where that's the 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 cold water on thing is how can we as a church help, um, like you say, support support women who are um, in this situation so that they can make good choices and also help them because if if it if it truly is an inconvenient for you to have a child there are plenty of couples out there who would who are praying every day that they would have the inconvenience that you <laughs> that you have yeah right? that they would have a child to raise well, they're begging for that inconvenience because either they wanted more children and and they couldn't, or because of health issues they can't. Um, I mean, yeah, that is that is a, a a horrible thing to 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 look at. And and I think maybe this is one of those things where 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 we have to um, maybe make this comment. What I've noticed in our society today and is becoming more and more and more, and and I've noticed it. 
and then we're going to bring up some of the articles that we we sort of sent out and we we are going to comment on here in a second. But I'm noticing in the, the general trend of the sinful nature is to be inverted in on itself, to, to, to make me the focus of everything and how it affects me and how I'm going to interact with it and how I want to interact with it becomes the overarching um, way worldview. I, yeah. worldview. And, and I think you, you, you don't see this any, anywhere greater than in this issue of abortion, which is I have the right, right? And, and I think even on the opposite side, and I'm not just going to hammer against the abortionists, but I'm going to hammer against the opposite side. Because the opposite side is, is saying, and, and coming back to the, one of these articles, um, the article is from The, the Conversation. And, and what it is is uh, it came out September 2nd um, of 2021, but it, it makes the comment and it quotes Texas Governor Greg Abbott when he stated, Our creator endowed us with the right to life. And I'm going to pause there. He, he does have a, a, a more that he says, but, but he says, our creator endowed us with the right to life. Very hearkening back to the, to the Constitution, right? We have this right to life. How inverted upon itself do you have to be to think that that is your right? I mean, I go back to, I go back to Genesis and I look at how God created. And God can create mankind with the right to life. He gave them the gift of life. He gives it as a gift. And then when we fall into, and, and then when he says, as he places this, this tree in the garden, he says, if you eat of it, you will surely die. That, that doesn't, that, that, that's the revoking of the gift. <laughs> that's, that he, I don't see Adam and Eve going, but I think I have a right to live. Oh, dear God, creator mine. I think I have, that's my right. You have, this is now mine. It is my right, right? Um, in fact, Adam and Eve, after they eat of this, they hide from God because they're like, oops, gift revoked. You don't, see them, sta- you don't see them standing in their naked shame going, now my body, my choice, dear creator. You, you don't see, I mean, this is, this, this is the absurdness of both sides. You have no rights. And even we like to we like to imagine we have rights. We don't. We have gifts. We have gifts. Our Creator endows us with gifts, and and He, in in as Creator and as God, can revoke those gifts at any time because you have no rights, because you are a created thing. And and I think if you expand that out into the government, you expand that out into the secular society, you recognize you have no rights. You have gifts. You have you have the opportunity, you have the privilege of, but they can revoke the privilege. You you don't have the right to drive. You don't have the right to drive. You have the privilege to drive, right? You you are you 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 can have this privilege to go and drive and do these things. You don't have a right to it. You don't have a right to to what would we say uh, in the Constitution? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You don't have a right to liberty. How many people throughout history never had that right? Because liberty is a gift, right? Um, however you want to place it, and if you want to say the have and have nots, I don't care. Um, but it's it's this gift. One of the things that we have failed in in so epically in throughout history is the reality that the sinful nature likes to invert everything upon itself and say, these are mine now, and I have control over them. 
And instead of realizing, no, I am, I am, I'm a piece in this cog and, and God graciously gives. Um, and for that, I give thanks because it begins and ends with him. And we have forgotten that. And if we would put that into perspective, we would say, wait a second, bad things happen because sin is here, but good things happen despite the bad. And, and these children, despite maybe bad choices, despite maybe bad occurrences, despite maybe poor choices, that this child is a gift. That life this child has, a gift. Not a right, a gift. Um, and we have forgotten that, the, that each individual person is also that gift, right? Yeah, we were, we've been going through my favorite of the pastoral epistles, Titus, in Bible class. And we went through uh, chapters two and three. So and if you're listening on a podcast and you haven't listened to those, those are really good because... Because uh, we did them. Because we did them. And no. <laughs> uh, no, they're really good because it does, it just emphasizes as Christians, we're called to think about others just as God has thought about. It all stems from God's grace to us. Um, we are showing grace to other individuals and thinking of their needs first and how how difficult that was, especially in chapter three when it talks about respecting um, those in, a, in government, because uh, that's really hard. It, it was, without a doubt, I have two Bible classes on Thursdays, one at three and one at seven. Both of them looked at verse one of chapter three and says, that's really, really hard to respect government. But it's really, really hard, that whole section, because he's talking about uh, respecting others and, and uh, going after what other people need rather than what you want. And it requires self-control, which is something only God can create in you through the means of grace that you, um, through the power that God gives through his word and sacrament, uh, that you look at things with a worldview that God has, which is looking at other people's best interests over your own. Well, and and not just looking at their their interests over your own, because that's loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, How God so beautifully states that as yourself. It's not just love your neighbor, but but I love my, because he knows the sinful nature loves self. And so he says, so love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. But it's this idea that that I think what we, we fail, all good things come from, um, uh, from, from our Heavenly Father. Uh, James mentions that. Um, those good things, those are gifted to you. Those are the things that God gives uh, for for your well-being. Now, just just for a minute, for every person who who you know had entered into the abortion office, right, um, and has an abortion, that's one less gift that God has given to this world and given to someone else. How how horrible would that have been if if your parent had did that for you? The the things that you have influenced, the people that you have touched, the the this the 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 mark that you have 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 made on on the creation that God has so graciously given would would never have been um and and the value that he has in you would have been stripped from you right and you're not and your ability to know how valuable you are to him and now that uh, will has convicted you in your heart be recognized that there are people in the Bible who did take someone's life and were forgiven. Absolutely. Moses, uh, David, uh, Paul even. So there is forgiveness. There's still the ideal that what, what we're holding up is that life is a gift. Um, and it's a gift from God. It's not a, not necessarily a, a right that, how, how you said it better than I, than I'm about to say it. So just the just the the change in worldview is we look at everything that God has given to us as a gift, rather than we're looking at things that are that I get to do with as I please. 
Well, and and I think a gift to manage, I should probably say. I, and I think that's beautiful. It is a gift to manage that that God is going to mark when I can when I come into the world. He marks when I go out of this world. Problem is, what we have here is we have a sinful nature that affects everything. And 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 throughout this entire podcast, thank you for again being the anchor that that anchors us to the cross of Christ and 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 says, hey, we got to come back to forgiveness every time. We got to come back to forgiveness. So one of the things that we we fail to realize is that that um, there needs to be forgiveness on every side of this, um, and and the forgiveness that needs to be given on every side of this is so the people who feel that they are pushed into this this convenience of abortion um, need to receive the forgiveness when they go through this because the, the, I mean this is a this is a horrible event in their life. Um, yes, the law gets applied, but also those people who who are looking at this and they're they in defense of life which is good. I'm not saying it's bad. In defense of life, which is good, they sometimes trample on the gift of that individual and saying, okay, in the defense of life, we also have this other life that that we're not looking out for. And I'm not saying, okay, let's give credence to them and, okay, let's have the abortion. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you're, you're, you are, you are, in, the, in this pursuit, you're excluding one over the other in both sides. And and we can't do that because both are a gift. Sure. Both of these things are 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 precious to God. Um, and so how do we do this better? Now, one of the things that was coming up, and I had three articles that 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 kind of were were brought out here, all from the the conversation, and all of them had this idea that Christianity was wrong because we. And he makes these cases of well, Christians had done this, and Christians had, and and really the the three articles, and and here's the first one that that we had cited before, and that was um, as Texas ban on abortion goes into effect, a religion scholar explains the pre-modern Christian attitudes on marriage and reproductive rights were quite different. The other article on the conversation that we had was when does life begin? There's more than one religious view, and then of course the very Ending one, which is the one we sort of began with, which was uh, with abortion heading back into the Supreme Court, it is time to retire the my body, my choice slogan, question mark. So those are the three articles that we kind of looked at to say, hey, this is going to stem our conversation. One of the things that I found in those articles, though, was that it it it, it, it went back and in, in, in one article when it talks about marriage uses the reference of, well, Paul said that it was better not to be married um, so that you can dedicate yourself to the work as if. Paul then was a proponent for not being married and not having children. So that one's a really easy one to debunk. And I'm going to toss that to you so that you can debunk that one easy before we move on to the other parts. Um, well, other than the fact that he wrote Ephesians 5, who talks about marriage and puts it up on such a high pedestal and saying, you should love your wife as Christ loved the church and making the equation that the church of God is actually... A, a model or a mirror of what happens in the home as of husbands and wives uh, deal with one another. So the church also deals with Christ in, in much the same way. So, um, yeah, I, maybe I've debunked it. Maybe not. Uh, I, I was the one art, there was the one article about the different views on, on marriage and how they, they were looking at Jewish, um, uh, reflections over the years. And it's like, well, um, that, that's, uh, that's a problem that has been around for, shall we say almost 2000 years um cuz Christ was when Christ was on the scene they looked at him and said well this guy's different than what we what we normally get from the rabbis because the the rabbis are usually this guy has this idea and this guy has that idea but Christ is, comes in and speaks as 
as one who has authority. So it, to me, I, I didn't give much credence to that article. I think it was just used as fodder to say uh, or to, 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 um, to give the impression that Christians have been divided on the issue over the centuries. And I would, I would stipulate that because Christians aren't, all Christians are not always, um, shall we say, uh, as faithful to the scriptures o- over the years. Um, heretics have been around for a long time. And so, and there have been Christians who are, um, uh, human and sinful. And so just because a Christian in history, um, had a view on abortion that's different than what the Bible says doesn't mean that uh, Christians are now uh, hip- hypocrites. Uh, the standard is always God's word, and God's word remains clear uh, throughout history, and its its ideals are, are easily found um, in the Old Testament as it as well as the new. The importance of the gift of life is in both. Well, and and I think you have I I think you you did a really good job of, of debunking that. I mean. You you might say historically Christians who also were plagued with sinful natures said this is inconvenient. So how can I do this? I, the conversation of the Pharisees coming up to to Jesus, right, and saying, "Well, you know, Moses said that we could write a writ of divorce." Um, so what do you say about this? And what does he say? He goes back to he goes back to uh, the. The words of Adam reflecting the desire of his creator as he says, no, uh, for this reason, uh, uh, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh, right? Um, so we have this idea of, of what God has placed together. No man can take apart. And we have this idea of marriage being a thing. And then uh, what, is, what does Jesus then say? He says, Moses allowed this in certain circumstances because of the hardness of your heart. So the the recognition of um, sinful people are going to want to do sinful things, and they're going to try to find any way to do that. And that, that's really where these articles, I think, hit us, was you're using examples of sinful people desiring to do sinful things, and they're disguising it under the, under the, the gown of Christianity. Um, that's sort of like the, the Roman Catholic Church sending out the Crusades, um, they, oh, they went and attacked and they just said, if you do this, you get forgiveness. No, you don't. That was stupid. Um, and, and then if you think that is what Christianity is, a bunch of people marauding and pillaging and doing all of these horrible things, that is not Christianity. Even though somebody in the disguise of the Christian church said, let's do this. Um, that doesn't make it a thing. That, that, that doesn't make it what God said. Um, you go back to Scripture, you go back to what God does say, and he says, okay, I value marriage, I value people. In fact, so much so that what is, what is you, and, and this, is, this is a proof passage, right? The proof passage for God's value of, of uh, um, a child within the womb coming from Exodus 21, and you go to, to verse 22 through 24, and, and I'll just read it real, real quickly for us. It says, if, if men are fighting and they injure a pregnant woman so that the child comes out, yet no harm follows, they must certainly be fined as much as the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. But, so you got that that big but, something's going to change here, right? If any harm follows, then you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. In verse 25, burns for burn, Wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Um, so what you have is is this idea of 
of equal force, right? What damage you've done now can be applied to you. That's God's value on on that unborn child. So if and and, and he uses the example of if men are fighting, but you, you can take it out of that. If anything happens to the woman, right? If anything happens to the woman and 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 who's pregnant and it causes this child to be born um or die in the womb. That is a life, and and now the person who had caused it, their life is 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 warrant for it. Um, God has a, a a value to you, dear listener. Um, God values you so much, um, and every unborn, as as because the moment they are conceived, He values you because the moment you are conceived, you are born in sin, which means that God has already placed you into uh, your sin into His His Son. And his son died for you, right? That that is you. You were born a sinner. Guess what? God has taken the sin of all the world, and He placed it in His son to die. And it, yeah, right. And He hit, developed a plan to how to save that child, which is through the waters of baptism and and the the to, word to place the him word into in Jesus. Yeah, place him in the Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so that is that is the so you look at this and you say okay well well God doesn't value life. No, He does. He values life so much that even the most insignificant. The one who cannot live on his own, which, by the way, is all of us. We cannot live on our own. He values. The, the, the weakest of us, he says, is worth the, the, what might even be the greatest. Um, um, that's an amazing thing. It's simply an amazing thing. Yes. Uh, can I switch gears? You may. Okay. Since uh, it's your show now. It's my show now. I think what Will is trying to say is that he wants this show to be more than just his. <laughs> and so he's, he's ribbing me this whole time about this is his show. No, it, no, it's not just his show. It wants us to be our show um, and shows of you know other, other pastors as well. Um, I have a question. Have you done a lot of research on what's going on in Texas? I have not. And so I have some questions about that. Yeah, I've been trying to follow it um, uh, as, as best as I can. I've been trying to follow... Um, What's been going on in Texas? Some of the things that has been going on in Texas that that uh, in case you haven't been following it yourself, um, is that uh, you have um, a lot of a lot of people are trying to to sue the government uh, or 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 try to make cases in the sense of if the government has the right to be able to make. Uh, this law about the the heartbeat law, and and what's making it a, a a really funny loophole is the simple fact that the heartbeat law is um set up in such a way that the government has no say in how it is implemented, um because it is a it is a lawsuit that allows. Um, individual parties, even from outside of the state, if they're offended by an abortion or an abortion clinic or a process or something like that, or if they feel guilty because they had to participate in it because they had to drive the taxi or something, they can sue the clinic for that, and and they can file a lawsuit. Um, they don't have to be the the actual person receiving the procedure, and so and it's not it's not enforced by any any governmental entity. So it, it's actually really an interesting law that I think only works in Texas right yet, <laughs> but, but it, it's being challenged by many, many people. Um, and they're trying to, and they're trying to challenge it by boycotting. Um, so, so they're, they are trying to challenge it not only in the courts and it hasn't succeeded yet. 
Um, but they're also trying to challenge by saying, well, we're not going to do business with Texas if this is what they're going to do, which to me, I'm like, fine. <laughs> so um, suing an individual, is that something that, to me, that has some red flag for like a Christian thing? Uh, is that something that is part of our vocation and calling to drag someone to court? Um, well, you know, you go back to the scriptures and what does it say? It says that, that, um, um, talk over and, and, and reconcile your differences, um, before you get to that point, because otherwise the government will stand in, the judges will stand in and they will punish, right? Um, even maybe more so than what you intended. Um, I would say here is the, the, the catch 22 on that. Um, when you live in a society that has thrown away what is right and wrong, and you live in a society that has taken the the backbone of what is what makes normal and what makes acceptable, and they have turned it up on its head, sometimes the only thing you have left is the force of law. Um. So, so, so. In other words. The law serves as a curb, and the law serves as a mirror, and the law serves as a guide. And and I would debate that we were never a Christian nation. Up for debate. But let's just say we were at one point. The law, many ways, served as this guide, right, for the nation. In, in, in a little bit of, because people said, this, we just don't do this because good people don't do this. Well, that's more of the law as a curb than law as a guide. Because your guide is, your motivation is always the gospel. So the, the government can't motivate. Well, I gospel. was saying we were a Christian nation. Which if is we up were. To, if we were a Christian nation, you know, this isn't good and God pleasing. We're not going to do this. Um, which which is I don't. a curb, not a guide. The, the curb is, if I do this, God's going to be angry at me. The guide is, if I do this, this isn't the best way I'm, I'm saying thank you to God. It's, it's, that's what makes the 30s of the law really difficult, by the way. Um, anyway, I think we are in this, this situation now where, where the third use of the law, and, and rightfully so because the third use of the law does only apply to Christians, no longer applies to the society. And so many people would like to say, well, this isn't the Christian attitude and how we're supposed to approach people. But the reality is we are approaching people who either aren't Christian or are struggling in their Christianity, and the law as a curb and a law as a mirror has to take an effect. And sometimes you can, do, you can only do that through taking someone to court. Taking someone to court, unfortunately. And I'm not saying it's, it's it, it would, it, I, I think someone would have to really think hard about it. Uh, and I, I think, and if I'm maybe misreading where you're going with it, I, I think this law opens it up to people who want to try to prove a point instead of people who truly are looking out for another person and saying, I'm trying to help you come back. And and I would agree with you that, that this this law opens up to more people who want to prove a point as opposed to people who truly care about someone else. Um, it's punishment, not discipline. Yeah, right. Because one of the the whole topic of, of abortion where it's my personal pet peeve is that people look at, I'm pro-life, but that only means how I vote, and that's it. I, I'm not actually helping anybody, uh, or I'm not supporting that. Uh, if if uh, I'm not looking at my own church and saying, 
if I were pregnant right now, what would I want from my church? And and then saying, how can I be that person for someone else uh, who who's pregnant? Um, instead of instead of just thinking, well, this is just how I vote, and and that's all of what it means to be pro life. And I'm going to put myself in that same category because for many years that's really what it was. I was pro life, but then I wasn't really doing anything other than voting. <laughs> you know, that was it. And uh, just recently, it just started work uh, in Green Bay with the Bay Area, Bay Area Life Center, which is trying to help moms um, make those good decisions and help moms who have made that decision to keep, uh, to bring life into the world to help them so that they can continue to function in this world because it isn't very much an inconvenience to have uh, so many children, especially if you don't have the support group, the support that you need um, to raise those children. Again, though, you know, it comes back down to um, education and encouragement uh, to not make those poor choices in the beginning that lead to these other now more challenging situations. Um, and, and how does that happen? Well, that happens through the gospel, right? The gospel changes hearts. The gospel changes the focus from us to to the focus of I'm living for my Savior. And as I live for my Savior and I live through my Savior, I'm opened up to live to other people, and I'm I'm opened up to see them for who they are and how they are, and and I think that's a beautiful thing to to be able to look at. Which on uh, coming back down to it, both sides of this issue don't do that; they they just don't. Um, and and they they talk a good talk, they talk a good they, they you know. Um, the one side says we're doing this so we can preserve this, but they're really doing this for an excuse for them to be able to to live in a way that. They shouldn't. And the other side says, no, we're doing this to preserve life. We're doing this to preserve life. But they are neglecting that there's more than one life there that needs help. And so both of them are, are missing the point entirely, which is we all need to make better choices. That's a given. But when we make poor choices, there's forgiveness. And now how do we, how do we move forward in fixing that? Um, and that only comes, I think, through the gospel. Honestly, I, I think truly can only come through the gospel. And and that's a you're never gonna find that in these lawsuits. I mean, I'm am I am I am I unhappy of the Texas lawsuit or of the Texas uh, uh heartbeat law? No, I think it's awesome. I really do. It it's really kind of I, I like I like the simple fact that 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 the opponents against um what God has dictated as life who have been using law to to bludgeon all of these things through um, now have to sort of eat crow a little bit and say, huh, <laughs> don't know how to do this one. Um, it, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing when politicians are actually living out their creed who says we are pro-life, well, we're actually going to do something about it. Um, that's another thing that has really frustrated me over the years where if, if Roe v. Wade has been told to us time and time again, yeah, this is not really good law, um, then I've, I would say, well, how come you Christians who are lawyers who are pro-choice, you can use that vocation to reverse something that isn't good law in the first place? Uh, why aren't you doing more? And the frustration, because, and, you know, I have my role, my part, um, but just uh, a frustration that those who claim to say that they are pro-life, they aren't doing as much because they are afraid of the backlash. So in that sense, I'm very happy that something is happening in Texas. I, I have my misgivings, which I you've already figured out what they were. 
um, about it, but that doesn't mean that I um, am, am saying that this is a terrible thing that has happened in Texas. Well, and, and I think one of the things that, that we have to be very, very careful of, and, and this is where I do believe um, American Christianity has failed us, is American Christianity has failed us in the sense of it's it has embraced its its uh, desire to to once again be turned in on itself and say, well, now it's our job to change society through the law, right? Uh, we are going to we're going to force people to be more, and I'm using air quotes, Christian by the force of law, right? Um, and, and you can't, and, and, and yes, you know, this is, this is definitely, uh, abortion laws. Um, if, if they're going to be pro-life laws are a definite use of the first use of the law, but that doesn't change hearts. That doesn't change. That's not going to change people from throwing their children away into, in, into dumpsters or, uh, ha- having those secret abortion clinics opening up. Uh, in, in more of a black market type of idea. It's not going to change the, the it's not going to change the very core of, of, of what people desire who are unbelieving or, or feel trapped. On that same note, the government does have a right to make these laws in the sense of the keeping of peace. We might not agree, and this is where I have a struggle with it, because the government has that right in the keeping of peace to make laws of this nature, and it doesn't transgress God's law until it is forced on you and you must do it. No one is forcing you to have an abortion just because they make it legal to have an abortion. Um, So there's a lot of groundwork for the church to be able to come forward and say, there's no need for it. Even though it's legal, there's no need for this. So in that regard, it, it does leave open the very good and, and gracious possibility for us to, to remove it from the area of law and move it into the area of grace and move it to the area of forgiveness and say, there is such a great opportunity here for, for what God has given as gift. And I think that's where we have failed. Um, and I know many churches are trying to do that. Uh, Bay Area is is great at trying to do that and helping in that area. But I think we we as individual Christians, as you said, I'm pro-life. I'm going to throw in my vote. But maybe being pro-life is to say I'm I'm in my in the way I conduct myself. I'm going to say, no, there is another alternative. And if you need help because you're in that situation, I want to help you and I'm going to help you. Instead of instead of backing off and saying, ooh, you know, you know, maybe embrace those opportunities that God has given to you to 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 be the be the help. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I think the church has to grow in that regard because we are living in a society and a culture that is in the accumulation of of stuff for yourself and. And uh, to have a hard look at, uh, say, in Acts chapter 4, where it talks about the believers selling stuff so that others would not be in need, and just to say, oh, the stuff that God has given me is stuff not just for me, but stuff to help others. And how can I help others? Not to say that that's the goal of the church, because you've so eloquently talked about the, the goal of the church is to talk about forgiveness found in Jesus Christ and what and what he has done. But the, the church is also there, the individuals of that of that church are also there to help their neighbor 
and uh, to look at their stuff and say, how can I help my neighbor with this? Uh, last night in Bible class, we were talking about this, and um, in uh, an individual said the same, very same thing. Like, I don't mind giving more of my stuff away. Um, I don't mind paying more in my taxes, even if because it's helping other people, even even despite the fact that a lot of that goes to corruption and what whatnot. It, it it's the mindset of the stuff that I have, that the stuff that God has given to me isn't just for me. It is for me to manage, and for me uh, to give so that others can benefit from that. And that is just such a different worldview than right. what is our 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 country founded upon with the idea of capitalism, trying to help yourself, which it invisibly also helps your neighbor, but it is still dr- driven by a sinful nature that is accumulating stuff. Well, and I think the other thing that, and, and this is just hearkening back to, to the olden days, I suppose you could say, um, there was a time, there was a time whether done by mistake or, or because of poor choices or, or because you were married and, and I think where families lived together. Um, and that and multiple generation of families live together because raising kids are hard and and they worked together to do this. Um, and we have lost that. we've 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 fractured ourselves and families live apart. and and it's like mothers are left almost mothers are left almost to do it on their own, right? Um, fathers, hopefully fathers in the picture. Um, but but oh, that's not my job to raise the kids. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's not it's not a bad thing for for the father to change the diaper, right? Um, as 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 Luther had so eloquently said that that their vocational calling, the greatest vocational calling of a father, is to is to change the poopy diaper of of their child. Um, you don't think of it that way, but but that's because God says the serving of others. Um, you know, uh, a beautiful beautiful thing. Um, Pastor Michael Berg. Uh, wrote a book on vocation, and in that book he says that that in vocation we are the masks of God, as Christ serves people through us. Um, and so the waiter who stands next to you, serving, taking your order, is Christ serving you, right? Um, and and but let's expand that out to our conversation. The mother who chooses, after making a mistake, to not make another mistake to bring this life in is Christ serving that new life forming in her. Um, and, and then the struggles that come is Christ working through that mother to offer this child that gift of life that he had so wonderfully has placed as value in the world. Um, what a great thing. What a great thing. Any other final comments as we, we come here to the end? My final thoughts before your final thoughts on your show for today. <laughs> Is you mentioned a book and you mentioned some articles, which I assume you're going to put in the show notes for our listeners to listen. Yeah, I'll to create the, a link for for vocation. I think I'll I'll throw a link into there, and then the one from the conversations as well. Uh, the three articles. I yeah, I will I will post those links if anybody wants to read kind of what we don't agree with at all. <laughs> we use it as a, start, uh, a springboard to talk about this. I'd also get, make a recommendation uh, from another book called from uh, written by Mike Novotny called Pro Every Life. Uh, Mike Novotny did some uh, sermons on abortion. Talked about One sermon talked about just the idea of what is abortion, how does our society look at abortion, when does life begin, how does our society look at uh, when does life begin. There's five different uh, uh, ways five different viewpoints on that so he uh, has a sermon on that and then he also has a sermon on the abortion in the church and then he also has a uh, sermon on the world and abortion and he 
he had quite a bit of responses from that, and those responses he put in a book, un, unedited, uh, from all over the place. So if you're interested also in that reading material, you can find that on, we'll have a link in the show notes as well, called Pro Every Life, uh, written by Mike Novotny, which I thought on his end, uh, getting uh, getting his thoughts down and the research that he did, was very, it was very well done. Well, and so with that, we will direct you to the website if you want to read those conversations from the conversation um, on, and just realize we are not in agreement with what they said. Um, we'll also throw in the, the book of, of um, Vocation from Pastor Michael Berg. Uh, amazing, amazing work done on, on embracing those vocational calls that God has given us as we get to serve others. Um, and then also the, the coup de grace for this conversation, Pro Every Life, uh, we, will, we will give you a link to the bookshop there uh, so that you can see it and maybe order a copy for yourself. They're cheap, uh, good read for you to, to maybe be a little bit more prepared in, in, in helping to serve other people. But before you go, if we have made you feel guilty, if you are feeling shame, if you are wondering if you ever made the life uh, the right choice or the wrong choice or, or you're not sure what choice, let us just say clearly right now, you are forgiven. I forgive you. Dave forgives you. Most importantly, Christ forgives you. So go and live free. Go and enjoy the gift of life. Go and embrace that forgiveness. And until next time, come back and listen to more of what Christ has to offer to you.